0: my name is Michael Tuck and I'm the Associate Pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Have you ever downloaded an app on your phone that you were really excited about and then when you downloaded it and you went to, oh by the way, Micah, an app is something that goes on a smartphone, okay? So uh, if you ever downloaded an app that you thought was just always going to be so wonderful when you get it on your phone and it says, oh, you got to pay a subscription for to use this. Oh, man, I can remember the first time that happened to me. I felt tricked. I was disappointed that the app didn't deliver what it, was, uh, what it had promised. Well, something like that has happened in Galatia. Paul has come and he has promised them uh, this this not an app. He's promised them this really good news that they, they can be forgiven of their sins, have eternal life, have a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus. But other people have come behind him and said, hey, but there's a catch. You know, I mean, that, you need Jesus, but you also need to become Jewish or you need to become, maybe not Jewish, but you need to become part of Israel. You need to submit to the, uh, to the Sinai covenant. Jesus is not enough. And so Paul is writing to these churches that he founded and he started. He's writing to these churches to tell them that is simply not true. You don't need a further subscription. You don't need anything else, but you need the Lord Jesus. And uh, he's telling them that there is a new covenant that God has made with, uh, with people, with his people. And there's no hidden fees to it. This past Sunday was Juneteenth holiday. And it's a, a day celebrating the news of the emancipation of the slaves reaching is it, It's Galveston, Texas. And uh, Galveston, Texas was still one of the bastions of slavery back then. And so, you know, that has been symbolic of the news getting to the furthest part in the, in the United States at the time and setting the slaves free. But there were people that didn't want the news to get to them. And there were people that wanted that freedom to not be known or not be given. And, and so in Galatia, we have the same issue. The message of freedom has come, and yet there are people that want to hide the message. They want to, they want to reverse the message. They want to say, yeah, you're, you're free, but you're not, you're not free. You got to keep the Sinai covenant still. You've got to do that. You got to become a part of Israel. And Paul speaks in this, in this chapter, Right now, he speaks of three different freedoms, I believe, that Jesus has, that the Messiah has gave, given to them and to us. And he's challenging them, and by extension, challenging us 2,000 years later, warning us to not give up these freedoms. Okay, So I'm going to share with you what those freedoms are that Jesus gave us, and that he's warning them not to surrender. So the first one is this, Messiah set us free from the Sinai Covenant. I, I know you guys are about to get tired of me saying that because I keep saying it week after week after week, but I honestly believe that, that that this is one of the main points of this letter. It's to convince Jewish Christians in particular, right? Maybe people who came from, from Jerusalem specifically that. Trusting and following Jesus isn't about the Sinai covenant, and you don't need to keep it anymore, whether you're Jewish or, or Gentile. So let's begin chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Messiah has set us free. Stand firm then, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, Messiah will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from the Messiah. You've fallen from grace. For we eagerly await through the Spirit by faith the hope of righteousness. For in Messiah Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. So having finished his arguments, I think there were six of them, uh, six or seven arguments about why the, the, when they were free from the Sinai covenant. Paul now reminds them, you're free. Don't go back. Don't go back to that slavery. And the slavery he's talking about is slavery to the Sinai covenant and its 613 laws. Messiah set us free from that covenant. We're under a new covenant. Don't go back. Don't go back. And then he goes on so far as to say this, if you do go back, for instance, if you take on circumcision as a part of what the covenant said, then he says, truly Messiah's work won't benefit you. I mean, that's really something, isn't it? Uh, Even more clearly, he says, if you add the Sinai covenant laws to Jesus, you have fallen from grace. Now, last week I told you, and I'm going to repeat it now, Paul is so serious about this issue. In fact, I, I really believe that at the heart of this letter, this is what's at the heart of this letter, that you are not to go back and add that covenant to what Jesus has done. Imagine with me for a moment that you're, you've gone down to Florida, and you're is it Cape Canaveral where all the cruises leave from? Is that where it is? <laughs> so you're there in Cape Canaveral on the coast, and uh, you have two options. You can swim to the Bahamas, or you can take a cruise boat right? And in my analogy, the Bahamas is God's righteousness, his kingdom, his eternal life. So you have two options. You can swim to it. You can swim to the Bahamas, or you can take uh, a cruise. The swimming would be the equivalent of living under the Sinai covenant. The cruise ship, you know, I made that one like it to faith in Jesus, right? But it's the covenant in Jesus for righteousness. Here's what Paul is saying. If you insist on swimming, you cannot take, you'll miss the boat. If you insist that you're going to swim, you can't can't swim and take the boat at the same time. He's saying it's one or the others. In other words, he's saying this. If you insist on circumcision because the covenant requires that, then you are going to miss the boat. You're going to miss Jesus. And then he says, you have fallen from grace. Wow. Wow. That's huge. You've fallen from grace. We don't need, as Baptists, a lot of times we don't like to talk like that, right? But you've fallen from grace, he says. You, you can't have it both ways. Now my analogy, let me just insert this. It's in a kind of a parenthesis in my note. My analogy falls short because God never intended the Sinai covenant to be how you get righteousness before God. He never intended it to be that. The Sinai covenant was a covenant he made with a group of people who came out of out of Egypt, mostly descendants of Israel. And he made a, a, a covenant with them as a nation, and he said, "You're going to represent me. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to love you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to... Man, people are going to see." what it's like to know the true God through you. But of course they didn't. They didn't live up to it, right? They didn't. Live. That was the Sinai covenant. It was never how one became righteous. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, you've always become righteous by faith. And the righteousness that's given to us or imputed to us, that's a big word, he, the, the righteousness that God chooses to put on us, imputes on us, is a righteousness that he gives us because Jesus earned it. He keeps the law, he lives the law, then he dies the death the law requires. And then God says, by faith, because you believe and trust in me and you love me, I am going to take the death of Jesus and apply it to your life. And that's going to be true for Old Testament people and New Testament people. It's always been by faith. It's never been by us keeping a covenant that came 430 years later, after God made his covenant of righteousness by faith with Abraham. So Paul says you have to pick and choose. It's either going to be Sinai or it's going to be Jesus, but it's not both of them. You just And he says this, and you just can't pick circumcision as the representative of the Sinai law, right? Now, the Jews were really big on a couple of laws. So a couple of them were like the Sabbath and, uh, and circumcision. Those were the two biggies, right? And so everybody kind of kept those. And if you really wanted to please the Lord, you might, you're already in. If you're Jewish, if you're a part of Israel, you're already in, right? You're accepted by God by virtue of that. And if you want to, you know, do good by God, keep all the laws of the commandment, do your best there. But, but in this particular case, it seems like they were specifically saying you need to keep circumcision and, and even the Sabbath laws, because that comes up an awful lot in the New Testament. He's saying this, if you pick circumcision, then if you're saying you're being circumcised, because of the Sinai law, then then somehow Jesus is no effect for you. If you become a naturalized US citizen, you can't pick and choose what but you want to obey. If you become a citizen of the United United States, you're under all the obligations that our country holds forth, right? And in the same way, if you became part of Israel, you couldn't pick and choose what parts of the Sinai covenant you were going to keep. You needed to keep them all, not just circumcision. You were obligated to keep all the law. Look at verse 7. You are running well. Wow. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? You were running well without the covenant. Who, who prevented you from continuing in that truth? You guys started well. And this is a rhetorical question. He knows who they are. He's not, he's not trying to say, well, name their names. That's not what he's asking. He's rhetorically saying, who prevented you? And they all know it was the people that came after him. So verse 8, he says, this persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord that you will not accept any other view, but whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Paul is clear and he's confrontational. And he says, hey, I know who it is. It's the guys that came afterwards. They're the guys who have been confusing you. And, And listen, it is not God who called you. The God, remember when, remember when I preached Jesus to you and you believed and miracles took place and, and your whole lives were changed? Remember that was without the Sinai covenant. Who, who has committed? He says, uh, it's not God who's persuaded you to go back to the covenant if you're Jews or if you're Gentiles to somehow embrace it. And then he says, a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. He says, man, just a little bit of error can mess up a lot of stuff. And I am persuaded. I love this. He said, I'm persuaded in the Lord that you're not going to follow them, that you're going to go back. You're going to go back and you're going to hold on to Jesus and not the, and not the other covenant. But whoever it is that's confusing you, they'll pay the penalty. They're going to, they're going to pay before God for this false leading that they're doing in your life. And uh, so when he talks about the the leaven, leavening the whole lump, the implication is, guys, stop the leaven. Remove the leaven. Don't let it keep keep affecting everything. Stop it. Arrest it. Remove it. And in my opinion, I think he's saying to them that the Sinai covenant has been canceled, annulled, done away with. It's in the past. It is not the future. And then he expresses his hope. Look at his hope. I'm persuaded. You guys will do what's right. Verse 11. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. So here he kind of asks the question. he He says, brothers and sisters in Galatia, if this was what I was teaching you, why are people still persecuting me if I preached circumcision? I didn't preach it. I don't believe you need to be circumcised. I don't believe you need to keep the Sinai covenant. If if that had been the case, why would people be persecuting me? But they're persecuting me because I'm I'm preaching something different. And then he says, the offense of the cross has been abolished. If if we need to keep the Sinai covenant, then the, the, the offense of the cross has been abolished. And what is the offense of the cross? Well, the offense of the cross is, man, there's a lot of it. But here's the offense of the cross. The offense of the cross is that all men, Jews and Gentiles, are invited into the kingdom. That's an offense. Gentiles are dogs, right? That's what the Jews thought. The offense of the cross is that all men are invited. And it's not, just, it's not just, it's all men and it's all kinds of men. All kinds of men. Jews and Gentiles are invited. Jesus is offensive when he says that the Sinai covenant has been abolished. I'm starting a new covenant. That is offensive. And he says, if, if I'm preaching the old covenant plus Jesus then why am I being persecuted? And by the way, where's the offense in that? There's no offense in that. So Paul's frustration comes out in verse 12. Verse 12, he says, I wish those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. Your translation may say, cut off. Literally what he's saying is that, right? I, I wish they, these people that are disturbing you and are telling you need to be circumcised according to the covenant, you need, I wish they would castrate themselves, cut themselves all the way off. And, and by the way, and here's what a lot of people believe, that Paul is referencing a pagan ritual of castration. And Paul is likening their wanting to go back to the Sinai covenant to this pagan ritual of castration. And he's, he's kind of saying they're one, they're one they're on the same par, they're on the same par. Now Let me ask again a rhetorical question. Aren't you glad that Paul and Peter's perspective went out? Aren't you glad that we don't have to become part of Israel? to be righteous before God. Again, it was never being a part of Israel that made you righteous. It was your faith in Jehovah that made you righteous. But, but aren't you glad we don't have to live under those covenant laws anymore, that Sinai covenant laws? I, I, I am. I'm glad. And I know the, the Jewish folks who are followers of Messiah must be glad of that. And, and Jesus said to the Jews, you're free from the, from the Sinai covenant. He lived it perfectly. And I think, and again, this is I think he's rescinded it forever. And he has instituted a new covenant, a new covenant with a new people, a new people who are Jews and Gentiles, a new people who are priests to our God, a new people who were once not his people. Jesus has set us free from Sinai. And number two, Messiah has set us free from selfishness. Now, I really want you to pay attention on this middle point, even though it's a lot shorter. I really want you to pay attention. Messiah has set us free from selfishness, or if you want, Messiah has set us free from sin. Verse 13, for you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, free from the Sinai covenant. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Paul changes the focus a little bit here. He says, yeah, we're free from the Sinai covenant, but it's not a freedom to do what you want. It's not a freedom to just live any way you want. Paul says we're free from Old Testament Sinai covenant laws, but that doesn't mean that I'm free to be sinful. It doesn't mean I'm free to live contrary to God's desire for my life. I think too many of us, and listen, you you may disagree with me here, but I think too many in our generation, in our day, in our culture, in our world, in the Christian church, that we somehow think that... um, Where being in Jesus means that I'm free. If I believe the the right things about Jesus, I'm free to do whatever I want. And and that's a totally different issue. Or that if I pray the right prayer, then I'm free to live however I want. And I think we've somehow communicated to people that if you believe right and pray right, then you're free from all of that. I think Paul is trying to say, that's not what I'm saying. When I say you're free from the Sinai covenant and its laws, that is not what I'm saying. So Paul says in this, I'm going to go back to a letter he wrote to Corinth. He says it later in this letter too, but I want to read it from another letter. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males. No thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. Paul is not saying that we are free from the Sinai covenant, and so therefore we're free to do as we please or to live any way we want, including living sinfully. Now now notice Paul says in the text, don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Do you see that? Let's talk about that for just a minute. The Greek word there, flesh, has a range of meaning. It can mean the meat. It can mean meat or muscles in our body. It can mean my entire physical body. It can mean my entire mortal life here on earth. But in the Bible, especially in Paul, when he uses the word flesh, he, I want to say maybe most often, uses it to refer to our sinful urges that reside within us. And those sinful urges would be the urges to do what we, we know is wrong. What is against God? What's sinful? In fact, translators will take the word, if you have an NIV and you see sinful nature, that's the translation of the Greek word sarx or, or, uh, or flesh. Now, Paul says, don't turn your freedom from the Sinai laws into an opportunity for these desires that you have that are contrary to God, don't turn it into an opportunity for those. Don't turn your freedom in Messiah into an opportunity to let yourself sin. Now, here's the deal. God has set us free from the laws of Sinai, but he's also set us free from the power of sin in our life. He, you know, we even sang about, thanks, Michael, great choices of songs today. We even sang about it, that he set us free from the power of sin in our lives. He set us free from our own selfishness. Now, a couple of you have asked me, you said, um, if I'm free from the Sinai laws, does that include the Ten Commandments? And every time I've said yes, you know, uh, that we're not under that code of written laws, people balk. And I totally get it. I, I totally get it, Right. But I still believe it's true. We're free from the Sinai commandments, including the Ten Commandments, as a written code. But that doesn't mean that I'm free from the things that God doesn't want me to do. In other words, though I'm free from the commandments as a Sinai code, I'm not free to sin. I'm not free to murder anyone. I'm not free to lie or to steal or to commit adultery or to covet other people's things. In the new covenant, God writes his laws on our hearts. We don't go to a written code. They're, on, they're written on our hearts. He breaks the power of sin in our lives and he, and he puts his truth in us. And we have power over those, those laws that are in our hearts. Listen, listen, here's Paul to the church at Rome. You know this. This is Romans 6. What shall I, what shall we say? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase, may increase? Hey, should we continue to sin against the Sinai covenants, you know, and its laws so that grace might increase? No far be it. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Man, we don't go by a code anymore. It's written on our hearts. I mean, it's gone from a piece of paper or a stone tablet to now having been written inside of my heart. And I know it far from it. He says, how how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you know that all of us who have been baptized into the Messiah have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that Jesus, as just as Messiah was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Now, I'm I'm, I'm not going to try to to interpret all that. But verse five says this, for if we have become united with Jesus in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin, that those sinful desires, those fleshly desires might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For the one who has died I'm going to add the words, in Messiah, is freed from sin. God, God is, Paul's point is this, that in Messiah, we are free from the power of sin in our lives. We're not a slave to it anymore. We're not a slave to the Sinai covenant, and we're not a slave to the sins that it identified. I think Peter would agree. Here's what he says in his first, second, first letter. He says, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So back to the letter. Paul says, Jesus set us free from our slavery to the laws of Sinai, but he's not, but he's not a freedom to just do whatever I want. It's not a freedom to sin. It's not a free, freedom to just make my own choices. Instead, he says, I'm now free from the power of sin in my life in order to obey the Lord and and to walk in his laws and to walk in his desires. And and let me not call them laws. Let me walk in in his His character and the things that he desires of us. And we are free to serve one another. And when Jesus set us free from the power of sin, he sets us free to live the way God wants us to live. He set us free. and, And the word that Paul uses here is selfishness, which, by the way, is at the root of every Sin. So here in the text, Paul refers back to when Jesus talked about all our human relationships, right? And he said, the Sinai laws about our relationships can be distilled down to one. Remember what it was, right? Love others as we love ourselves. So here's what he's saying He's saying all the Sinai laws can be distilled down down to that. That's, That's the law that God's written on our hearts love one another love one another. And, and I, I want to suggest to you, and I'm, I'm kind of getting confused in my notes, but I want to suggest to you, I'm getting ahead of my notes, is that that's written on our hearts. It's, it's God has given, God's put it in our consciousness even before we were believers. But now as believers, He's written as well on, his, on our hearts and He's given us the Spirit. Jesus may have done away with the Sinai covenant as a list, but instead He gave us the power to live out the heart of God in this new covenant which when it comes to relationships is loving people. But then there's this caution. Look at verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. Now, here's a caution for us. You are free to walk in in holiness. You're free to walk not in sin. Okay? Okay. But it's not automatic. You, they were free from the Sinai covenant, but it wasn't automatic that they wouldn't walk in it. A lot of Jewish Christians probably did walk in it for a long time, but they were free from it. In the same way that we've been set free to walk in righteousness, Paul says it's not automatic. So make sure that you, you're not biting, you're backbiting one another and devouring one another and consuming one another. It's not automatic. So that brings us to the last freedom. I appreciate your tenderness. You seem to be very attentive, so thank you. Here's the last freedom. Messiah set us free to walk by His Spirit. He set us free to walk by His Spirit. Verse 16, I say then, remember you just said, hey, don't turn your freedom from the covenant, the Sinai covenant, the laws of the covenant, don't turn that into freedom to indulge your sinfulness. He says, now the Spirit has set you free to walk by the Spirit, verse 16. I say then walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. What's flesh? Our are, are desires that are contrary to God's desire. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. And these are in, opposed to each other so that you don't know uh, what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, You are not under those laws. And here's what Paul is saying the Spirit has set us free to walk by His leadership so that we won't walk in our sinful desires. We'll be free to make the choices to obey the Lord and to follow His voice in our heart. Now, do you remember the visual? I remember when I was a kid, it was Elmer Fudge, I'm pretty sure. But when Elmer Fudge was trying to kill Bugs Bunny, he would have a devil on one shoulder. And uh, an uh, angel on one shoulder. Y'all remember that? And, and the, the angel was always telling him to do good. And the, the devil character was always telling him. And it was always him just dressed up differently, right? And uh, he was whispering in their ears. Well, that's just a cartoon. But it sort of pictures, I think, what Paul is saying here. That we've got a choice. We've got a choice between desires that are unfortunately inherently ours, right? That are contrary to God. But we have the Holy Spirit now who's been given to us and he speaks against those desires. And he tells us when those desires are there. And he's urging us to he's urging us to listen to him. So here's an example. So I have a desire to punch somebody because of what he just did to me. Or I have a desire because in my mind I'm so angry and I want to give him a piece of my mind. Honestly, I don't really struggle with that particular sin, but some of you do, right? And so you want to punch him and you want to give him a piece of your mind. And God, the Spirit is saying, on the one hand, you, you've got those feelings rising up in you. But on the other hand, you've got the Spirit of God because you love him and you follow Jesus. And you're under the new covenant and he's given you his Holy Spirit to dwell within you. And the Spirit is saying, no, love him. Man, He's broken. He's he's an enemy. Love him. And and the Spirit's telling you to do something different. And, and, And here Paul is saying, if we walk by the Spirit, and by the way, we are free to walk by the Spirit, then we will not carry out the desires that are coming from our flesh. We'll recognize them as wrong, and we won't walk by them. Furthermore, here's another example. Let's just say I have a desire to look at porn. I have a desire to look at porn. On the one hand, I've got that one desire. But the Spirit of God is saying, "Don't do that. Don't do that because you'll hurt yourself and you'll hurt so many other people." Or how about this one? You're, you're, the Holy Spirit saying, I mean, the Holy Spirit, you're saying, I don't mean, want to sleep with my boyfriend. I want to sleep with my girlfriend." Oh, I have such a desire for that." And the Holy Spirit over here is saying, "Don't do that. You'll hurt so many people. You'll hurt yourself. Don't do that. We have a choice. We have a choice because under the new covenant, God has written his laws on our heart. They're on our conscience, even before we begin to follow him. I think they're on our conscience, but now they're written on my heart and he's given me the spirit of God who dwells within me. And I have a choice now. I can listen to me or I can listen to the spirit. Paul says, walk by the spirit and you won't listen to you, to yourself, to your own wrong desires on the inside. Now listen to me, Maybe I shouldn't have used Elmer Fudge in, in, uh, in the two characters because it seems like I'm belittling the battle. I'm not belittling the battle. I mean, it's really hard. Even as a, as a born again, redeemed believer in Jesus, it is hard to fight my nature again. It is hard. But I'm telling you, whenever I choose to sin, it, it is not. It is because I am choosing not to love God. Not, not because I don't know better. Not because I don't have the power to do right, I have all of that, but I'm, I'm just choosing to sin against the Lord. Paul Paul often speaks of how these desires are, are opposite each other, and it, and it is and listen and if I if it's a battle, and, and it's really easy to go back into bondage to sin if I don't keep fighting against it. Whatever it is in your life, it, it'll become a bondage to you. Jesus said, Jesus said, we are in bondage to whatever we submit. And you and I have been set free. We've been set free by the power of God and by the Spirit of God. But we can surrender our freedom in return to its bondage. I want to read you a letter that I received from a friend quite a few years ago. And just so you know, this friend is not in our church. Okay, so don't think, well, who's he talking about? You don't, this person is not in our church. For so long, I've been sinning against my family and even more against my God. I have given into temptation in the recent past, and I've been addicted to pornography for so long. It's begun to hurt me, not only emotionally, but physically. I believe God has been working in my life these past couple of weeks, and one thing that I have felt that He has been telling me the most is that I cannot follow Him fully until I get this sin that I have become a slave to out of my life. I've been in some contact with a friend, and he said that he should be able to help me with ways to fight temptations. This is one of the hardest things that I've had to that I've done in a long time. And even while writing this, tears are coming to my eyes. I tell you this so you might be able to help me, so I don't slide further down this road. And to tell you that I'm sorry. I only pray that God will work in my life. When I talk about this, I, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to be honest and say this. Is, is, it's not like this is easy, but, but God has given us his spirit. And we walk not by a, a list of rules. We walk because God has put his laws in our heart and we know them. We know them, I think, through our conscience. I've said that a bunch of times, but we know them now, especially because when we trust in Jesus, he writes his laws on our heart. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit to help us walk out that life. We, we are free from Sinai. And we're free from selfishness and we have power to live um, a life of, of love for others. But it's not automatic. I have to fight. And Jesus has given you his spirit, everyone. He's given you his spirit. And his spirit, his spirit, What he leads us and teaches us and guides us and comforts us and convicts us and empowers us. He lets us know when we're not choosing God's best. He's with you all the time. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. The works of those desires that are contrary to God that are in each one of us that we have to fight. He says, there are things like sexual morality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says that the acts of our own desires that are sinful and result in pain and hurt and so much less than God desires for us. Did you you notice the word that he starts with? Somebody read it to me. What does he start his list with? They are obvious they're obvious. The things that are contrary to God's desire for us, they're obvious, right? And, uh, and, and the Spirit is going to be clear to let us know. I, again, I, our conscience lets us know, and they're on our heart. And these things we know are wrong, but actually we sometimes live them out. And sometimes, sinfully, we live them out. And they include sexual sin, and selfishness, and anger, and hatred, and drunkenness, and idolatry, Uh, And by the way, idolatry is loving something more than we love God. Here's what R.C. Sproul said about that. And at the moment we sin, we actually desire sin more than we desire to please God. And like, that's a big thing. We can do that a lot. We can fall into idolatry a lot. We can can desire something more than we desire God. That's idolatry. And he ends his list. He begins his list with obvious. How does he end his list? Somebody read it out loud. Tell me. How does he end his list? And what? And anything similar. And anything similar. So lying and stealing and murder and murdering children in the womb, they're all acts of the flesh. They're all acts of our sinful, contrary to God desires. Desire, And we know them. They're in us. He's put them in us. We don't need a list. We know them. Now, the list helps us. I mean, going back and looking at the things that God said in the Old Testament help us. But as I've made the point before, even people who don't have a list, have never seen the list, they know these things are wrong. They're wrong and they're hurtful and they're not the best for us. But you and I are not alone, Jesus is in us. He is in me, God is in me. He's given me a spirit. I don't fight the battle against my wrong desires alone. The Holy Spirit has set me free to win, but I still have to choose. It's still a lot of work. It's still hard. I'm not making I'm not saying it's easy. I'm almost finished. Verse 22. He gives us He says just like the choices of the flesh are obvious, the choices of listening to the spirit are obvious. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to the Messiah, the Messiah Jesus, have crucified the flesh and its passions. That's what Paul said back to the Roman church. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, notice that Paul doesn't list activities. Did you notice that? In, In the flesh list, it's activities. Did you see that? Notice it. In the flesh list, it's activities. In the spirit list, it's not activities. It's the result of our activities. And the result of our activities, he says, will result, he calls them fruit. And they're going to be an outcome that we're going to reap in our life if we listen to the voice of the spirit each and every day that we walk with him. Let's read the list together, okay? Let's read it. Let's actually read it together. I think I have it on... There it is. Let's read it together. But the fruit of the Spirit... Let me hear you. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you and I walk, where walk is a metaphor of living our lives a certain way, when you and I live our lives a certain way, listening to the Holy Spirit... What's going to happen is that we will reap this kind of life. We'll reap this result in our life. And the result that we will reap is this, that we will experience in our life love. If we live by the Spirit, we're going to experience love, and it'll come from each other. It'll come from God. And we'll experience joy from the Lord and joy from each other. We'll, if we live by the voice of the Spirit within us as New Testament believers, as parts of the new covenant that God has made through His Son, we will find ourselves with peace on the inside. And we'll respond in patience and kindness to others. Man, I tell you, it's so frustrating when we who follow Jesus have such little patience and kindness with others. He says we'll live a life, we'll treat others with gentleness, and, and what I see so often is that we don't treat people with gentleness and kindness. We've got to win. We've got to be right. We've got to make sure we got our points said. And don't hear me saying that we shouldn't speak truth. I believe we should speak truth. But I am absolutely convinced the fruit of listening to the Spirit of God is that my life will be marked by patience and kindness and gentleness with others. There's no law against those things. In fact, that's just the fruit of living by the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we, faithful to His Word, to God, to our conscience, will exercise control over our desires instead of of letting our desires control us. Let me ask you, how many of you would like that list to describe you? I know I do. I want to be more loving I want to be more joyful and I want to be more peaceful and more patient and more kind and more good. I'm not sure that's right English, but I want to be more good. I want to be more faithful. I want to be more gentle. I want to be more self-controlled. I want to be all of those things. You know what? Speaking for myself, man, I'm on my own. I'm just, you know, I I don't know that I, I don't know. I can't, I can't do those things. But I'm not alone. Neither are you. That's Paul's point in this letter. We, we don't walk by a written code anymore, guys. It's different now. We've been given the Holy Spirit in, to walk in our lives and to be with us. And He teaches and He leads us and He shows us His will. And if we listen to His voice, He'll help us walk it out in our lives. As hard as it is and as much as we might on this side not want to, although I found this to be true, the more I listen over here, the weaker this voice becomes. And the more I listen over here, the weaker this voice becomes. Right? So, would you be a different person if Jesus was with you every moment of every day? I mean, He's just walking with you, man. He's sleeping in the same bed with you. When you're in the bathroom, at least He's standing outside the door waiting on you or whatever. Would you be a different person if Jesus is with you like that all the time? Of course you would, right? Well, here's what Paul in the New Testament claims. Jesus has given us His Spirit to be with us always. And His Spirit is going to lead us and help us. His Spirit's going to cry out within us, Abba, Father, He's my dad, right? It's a different game now. God's given us His Spirit. 24-7, the Spirit of Jesus is in us. We need to learn to listen to Him and, 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 and walk with Him. Heed His voice. Engage His power in our lives thank you so much for listening this week if you have any questions you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com also check us out on youtube and facebook to get to know us and see what god is doing here in surrey be blessed